Welcome to the Family Huddle Podcast. We understand family was God's design, and yet our families can often be the place in our lives where we're the most ungodly. In this podcast, we're hoping you find encouragement from God's Word, as well as practical ways the gospel can touch down in your own life, your home, and your family. We also hope to share some laughter, great stories, and let you know you're not alone, no matter your season or circumstances. Welcome back to the Family Huddle Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today, and we want to thank you for listening. We are going to jump right in to today's episode, and we're excited because today is a fun one for us, Trav. We're launching a new series. And so for those of us, or for those of you just joining us, say that correctly, uh, my name is Stephanie. And I'm Travis. And we are the Armstrongs. Um, last week in our trailer, we touched very briefly on our own um, history, uh, but we didn't really tell you much about our stories, like as in your story, Travis, and mine. And so today we're going to share a little bit more about us and some of our own testimonies. Absolutely. But I think first, we want to tell you about this new series we're launching, and we're calling it A Defining Moment for the Family. And as I was thinking about that, you think about your journey with Christ, and along that path of walking with the Lord, there are very important um, moments where God can intervene Mm -hmm. and stop us in our tracks and really awaken us to the direction we're traveling and uh, the false identity that we have pursued through something in this world. And he radically changes us uh, through a moment in, in time where he gets a hold of us. And so the way I like to define this or think about this is it's a God-ordained moment that's life-changing, altering both your identity and direction in life. And as I was thinking about Scripture, one thing that jumped out to me was 1 Corinthians 15.10. This is Paul speaking, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. And so I think this kind of encapsulates, summarizes the direction that we want to move in with this podcast, defining moments for the family. Uh, And that could could mean a lot of different things for people. It could be the moment they were converted, they came to know Christ for the first time and trusted him as their Lord and Savior. It could be along the journey of sanctification where God has intervened in that moment and really brought about that transformation. Um, And God does that through a lot of different ways. He does that through people. He does that through circumstances and situations. He can do that through pandemics. God can get a hold of our attention a lot of different ways, and I think we could speak at length to that, and hopefully that will come out in our stories as well as in the stories of those who we interview. Yeah, I'm excited. We've got some fun, um, really cool interviews lined up, impactful. But today, (laughs) we are the guests. Um, (laughs) Whoops. So this is... um, less about somebody else's story, but today it's about our stories. Yeah. But tell us a little bit more about, um, I love this theme. I love this idea that you um, have come up with about these uh, defining moments. Um, But tell us just a little bit more about why you chose this. Yeah, I chose this because I I think, um, you know, people were able to look back on their life and literally see the hand of God moving. Um. I think it's important because we start to understand that, as it says in Psalm, Psalm 103, 19, the Lord is sovereign and his sovereignty rules over this world. And, and I think it's important for us to identify those moments in time where he's jumped in and, uh, and he's corrected uh, our course through various means um, because then we start to understand he really is in control. Mm-hmm. He really is leading and guiding as a shepherd does with sheep. And I, I think as we see that, 
we come to worship God all the more. And I think we're mutually encouraged by other people, other Christians, as they share their defining moments as well. Um, because we see that God has been moving in people's lives in different ways, but for the same purpose of really bringing glory to God and thus also bringing good about in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why we wanted to start this uh, special series on defining moments. And let me jump in there with um, having Steph share what that has been for her. Yeah, so um, there have been quite a few defining moments um, in my life. Uh, I think maybe we all experience um, a lot in our lifetime. But as I was kind of thinking back to like a really significant moment in time, um, I thought back to when I was in college, and I'm guessing I was probably about 19 years old, um, would have been my sophomore year in college. And I remember, so just a little backstory, um, I grew up in a real stable, God-fearing, God-honoring home. Um, I went to Christian school my whole life, grew up in the church. So God really um, blessed me. I look back at that now with like such gratitude. Um, He blessed me with a very... um, I wouldn't say easy, but just a really kind of uneventful childhood in the best way. Um, Just safe and kind of protected. And um, really, though, it was such an incredible foundation that he was building into my life um, of truth, kind of coming from all sources, um, but all centered around Christ and, and the scripture. And so I had that as this foundation. And I was typical kind of firstborn kid. Um, I didn't push a lot of envelopes, um, kind of rule follower, still like that today in some ways. Um, <laughs> not a bad thing. Yeah, no, no, it's not a bad thing. But I found myself in college at age 19. And um, like I said, it had this whole kind of Christian upbringing and foundation. And here I was at a secular school. And um, it was kind of a, it was just a rocky time in my life where I think I was learning to stand on my own two feet. And I mean that in ways of, um, you know, just growing up, but also spiritually, I think I was starting to embrace like my faith as my own and really um, kind of that line in the sand was beginning to be drawn for me where I I knew, okay, either I really believe this wholeheartedly and I I embrace this and my life is going to be about um, following Christ or I don't, and I reject this. And so I was kind of living this nominal life of my feet in a lot of different places and kind of on both sides um, of the line. And at 19, I found myself one night on a Thursday night um, at a thing called Basic. It was a campus kind of non-denominational ministry, and I, I attended it every Thursday night. And it was huge. There were like a thousand of us there, and people from all walks of campus came, um, but I loved it. And I didn't necessarily go with a group of friends. I occasionally met a high school friend there, but I pretty much just went faithfully on my own. And I was there one night and um, I can kind of even, if I close my eyes, I can picture like the room and I know where I was seated. Um, And the format of the evening is that we would always have like this large group worship. And then they would call a student up to the stage to share their story, their testimony. And so sometimes, you know, it was like these really dramatic stories of I used to be this and then Christ came into my life and now I live like this. And 
Um, but I was always really compelled by them. And so in this particular night, somebody shared a testimony. Um, and then after that, um, there, I don't think there was like a, like an altar call necessarily or anything, but the, the pastor that was teaching kind of carried the theme of change and putting your trust in the Lord, not just your faith, mm-hmm. but your, really your trust. And I remember sitting there thinking like, I don't know if I've ever had to really trust God yeah. for much in my life. Now, of course, I trusted him for salvation, but um, I was pretty young in my faith. And so I didn't even fully grasp everything that that meant. Uh, but there weren't hard things, so to speak, in my life at that point. There weren't challenges in my family. I just had kind of had this pretty safe growing up experience. And so anyway, um, I really remember kind of getting down on my knees in my seat that night. And lots of people were. Um, but I really made kind of a personal decision with the Lord that he had been stirring in me, I think, for a while. And it was a decision where I just sort of surrendered to him finally and not um i'd already really trusted him as my savior but he wasn't necessarily lord in my life i wasn't really fully in with him and i really wasn't he wasn't the one that i had in the driver's seat i falsely thought i was in the driver's seat i think at that point and so i just remember um kind of telling him like i want a story with you and I want to be all in. Mm-hmm. And I do want to fully trust you, but I, I don't really know how. And I don't really know what that looks like. And, you know, now as I look back, I'm 40. So that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> God took me on like almost from that moment on, like a pretty unbelievable ride. And specifically like the next two and a half years, kind of the, the end of my college years um, were super rocky and a lot of pain in my life. And some of that was um, choices that I made. Some of it was um, him really just shaking me to my core through yeah. things like death. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people around me died in mm-hmm. a very short amount of time. Um, and it was gut-wrenching and it was heartbreaking. And also, though, it was kind of a foundation shaker for me. Yeah. And it forced me to decide, like, okay, Am I standing, am I building my life on the rock that doesn't crumble when the storms of life come? And um, and the Lord showed me that, yeah, I was. I, uh, even though things around me were happening and hurting um, and I was hurting, I still had a hope and a foundation that was very secure and mm. very sure. And so God just used like this incredible um, season in my life to really propel me in a totally different direction. And um, that was shortly before I met you, actually. Um, but those were those were hard years and those were forming years. And I just I can clearly go back to that moment at basic mm-hmm. on that Thursday night when I feel like that's when I just sort of offered my life to the Lord um, and not even fully knowing what that meant, but just kind of said, like, I God, I want to live for you and I want to have a story with you and I want to obey you and I want to know you. And he started like this major desire in me Mm -hmm. to know him Mm -hmm. and not just like so i could check the box i just can remember like a stirring like actually wanted to know who he was and i hadn't necessarily known that um feeling my whole life it was always kind of like okay you're in bible class you're in youth group (laughs) 
you know, like you should know about God. And, I, and as the rule following kid, I'd be like, okay, I should know about God. Okay, I should read the Bible. Mm-hmm. But in those years is when he really um, stirred my affection for him. And it was through adversity in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but it was also through, like I look back at that and I think, I don't know who any of the kids were that shared their testimonies. Hmm. I, I couldn't tell you. There's one person I remember in yeah. like three years of going to basic. Um, but all of them sharing their story publicly like that did something. Mm-hmm. The defining moment that they had experienced with the Lord when they were faithful to share that, it caused a defining moment with me and the Lord. Yeah. And um, one thing that we thought maybe we would do today is uh, share like our story a little bit, a defining moment in our story, but then also um, share a story, a defining moment that inspires us or yeah. Um, whatever. Yeah. From the word. And so, um, do you want me to share that now or do you want to share your testimony now? Um, let me jump in and we'll just kind of like go back and forth here. Perfect. Uh, because as you were talking stuff, it made me think about my own journey. And, uh, again, it's definitely the providence of God over the years that has, uh, been at play and leading me and guiding me. Um, and I'm so thankful for that to see, uh, to see his protection, his provision, and his promises uh, of his word at play in both of our lives. And I think, you know, I come from a very uh, complicated family background um, that has resulted into um, some brokenness in my life early on. Um, And I think that played out in a way that I was always searching for something that I knew was missing in my life. And for many of us, what that looks like is we pursue things in this world to try to fill that void that we know is there. And um, and so I pursued sports and I pursued relationships and I pursued all sorts of things to try to give me life, to try to give me a sense of being blessed, um, uh, wanting something uh, in this world to fill uh, that that hole in my heart. And uh, I can still remember, like, Denton, Texas. It was in the 80s, and I for sure am a child of the 80s. And Steph and I, we laugh about this because you were born in 80. I was born in 74. Um, and so the decade there between us, because I'm more the 80s, you're more the 90s, and on long trips in the car, we fight over what decade <laughs> we we're going to listen to. We do. Um, but I for sure was impacted as a child of the 80s and the whole, like, Rubik's Cube and, um, you know, saying psychedelic and... Um, hot pink was so in in the 80s. Um, I love the music and the culture, uh, a lot of it uh, from the 1980s. But for sure, as a young man growing up in Denton, Texas with my aunt and uncle, sports was a big part of my life. In particular, every like warm-blooded male was, uh, was into BMX. BMX was, was huge in, in the 1980s. Um, and so we got into that sport all in. And I remember just being super excited. I love the competition. Uh, I love the ability to advance. You know, they have three levels, essentially beginner, intermediate, and expert. And then if you're really good, obviously you could pursue being a professional. Um, But I just love the competition. I love the camaraderie with it, getting to know other guys your age, and just being on the racetrack on a Friday night in Fort Worth, Texas, a place called Cowtown. (laughs) So many wonderful memories I have today goes back to some of these places. And um, I, I can just remember racing and, and it being fun. And I was able to advance and went from intermediate to, to, to 
um, I'm sorry, from beginning to intermediate over the course of uh, a very short time. And it was fun to, to be able to see that advancement I ended up getting picked up by a team called the pink panthers and sponsored by them and i had like this whole get up that was literally hot pink you could see me from miles away i even probably glowed in the dark um but i, I remember that a defining moment for me in the course of, of of bmx and again so much of my life was defined but why by what i was able to do on the racetrack and I remember one particular race when I was at intermediate, I uh, ended up having a horrible crash. And um, I was jumping what's called the doubles. And uh, as I jumped the first hill, um, the second hill, I hit with my front tire. And I did something that in BMX terms is called the endo. And that's where you flip over your front handlebars. Not a good thing, really horrible thing, actually. And I landed on my face and scraped my face so badly. Uh, it was almost like somebody had taken a potato peeler and just oh, peeled gross. off part of my face and um, was uh, just hurt and, um, and and literally felt broken <laughs> in that moment. Um, lost that race. It was a really important race because it was a race that um, would have propelled me to, I think, uh, expert level. And uh, was just came over to the sidelines, uh, just dejected and devastated. And um, I remember sitting down and just big, huge, hot tears coming down my face. Um, as I lost not just that race, but lost part of my face, <laughs> which is healed back very which nicely. Which is healed back like nicely. That's so true. <laughs> but as I was sitting there, my uncle Ron came up to me, and uh, I love my uncle. He's he's a, a, a true Texan, and he's a hard worker, a carpenter by trade, and one of the toughest guys I, I've ever known. I mean, I think the guy could drown and give him he could give himself CPR and revive himself. <laughs> um, just a really tough guy, and I. I remember in that moment where I was just fragile, um, uh, he came over and said, you know, Trav, we got to start talking about some things that are important. And I, I know that you lost this race and you're obviously hurt, but I want to let you know there's things in life more important than, than racing. And, um, and he said, you know, God and a relationship with God is the most important thing about life. And then your family and, and, then, and then other things. And uh, I remember in that moment, it being one of those things where it was like a seismic shift occurred in how I viewed life and how I viewed myself. And it's like God broke in and, and showed me that I had been pursuing things, trying to stuff my life with something that wasn't meant to be there. And that what I really was looking for, what I was really pursuing, but never finding was actually God. And so from that moment on, things were different. Now, I still was probably, for the most part, like a, a nominal Christian throughout you know, my teen years in, in college. But that moment was seminal because it planted a seed that later on in life, God would water through the Holy Spirit, bringing about transformation. And to this day, I can remember exactly where I was, where I was sitting, mm -hmm. and, and that conversation that I had with my Uncle Ron. And finally, I, finally I found something that was worth living for something that was important, something that um, gave me a foundation in life and, and gave me a sense of, of identity and really in some ways altered the very course of my life. Could God would use that instrumental, vital conversation that I had when I was 10 years old to really later in life um, bring about such change in who I was and who I was becoming so that's I, kind of my story. I love that. I just want to um, piggyback off something you just said because it made me think, you know, um, kind of as a word of encouragement maybe for parents. Um, 
you and I both can recall a time when we were younger, right? Mm-hmm. Where someone spoke into us or we heard something and it caused like this huge change. And we know, of course, that the Lord was behind that. And like yeah. you said, either planting a seed or it was somebody who was stoking kind of a seed that had already, or stoking a fire or uh, the seed was growing that had already been planted. Yep. Um, but I think one thing I learned when um, we were in student ministry for so many years, yeah, um, and you helped me see this, is that it was, it was kind of frustrating for a while there where I would um, watch you pour out truth Mm -hmm. So these junior high kids and like open up the word and teach. And I could just, I knew the blood and and, uh, sweat, maybe tears. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That was going into it. And I would watch you deliver it and it would be powerful. And, um, and sometimes a kid would, would get it. And a lot of times the kids, it felt like it was right over their heads or they weren't paying attention or whatever. And that was so frustrating for me sometimes to think like, Oh, you guys, you know, you should listen, you should yeah. get this. But I think it's such a great parallel to parenting as well, because there are times that we, you know, we pour out like this instruction or we put our arm around our kids in a moment of weakness for them or maybe for us. And we like impart this spiritual truth. And it, it seems in the moment like oh, they didn't even listen yeah. or they didn't even catch that. Yep. But we should never discount like what the Lord is doing internally mm-hmm. in our kids um, just like he did internal things in us. And in the moment, you know, you probably didn't look at your uncle Ron and say like, wow, thanks for that. Like profound truth. Like, right. I feel this seismic shift in me, <laughs> but in hindsight, you hindsight, look back totally on that and God used it. And so the thing that you helped me see in student ministry is that so much of that ministry is a ministry of delayed fruit mm-hmm. where you pour out, you pour out, you invest, um, and you may, we may get to see the the fruit that comes from it, but we may not. Mm-hmm. And God has been faithful. And I think one of the amazing things about staying in a church, as long as we have been blessed to stay in a church, is that years later, we have seen fruit in yeah. some kids that we would have at the time thought, oh my word, they are totally missing it, or that didn't even land with them, but we've been able to see it. And so mm-hmm. I just think if you're a parent listening, like be encouraged. Because we never know, and I'm really talking to my own self, we never know what God can do with the truth that we are trying to impart to the next generation, um, or even to a friend or a family member, or even to a spouse. Mm -hmm. Like, we just don't know what he will do with um, something that he has already got set in motion and we know nothing about. Yep. No doubt. The powerful influence of a parent or a a pastor or a mentor, um, yeah, it's incalculable what can happen over the course of someone's life because of the investment early on from someone else who is willing to speak truth. Mm -hmm. And so I think about your story, Steph, and I know that um, you've been, you know, God's been stirring in your heart and um, over the years. And I know there's been various um, Bible passages or characters that have really spoken to you over these years, and maybe even one in particular that you have been talking about. I'd love for you to share that with our listeners. Yeah, so this is um, this is an interesting kind of moment that the Lord gave me with our daughter, actually, with Ava. Um, we were on a little road trip recently to see my family, and um, you had the boys camping, um, our middle sons, and I had our oldest and youngest with me, and 
And we were listening to um, an audio, like retelling of mm-hmm. a Bible story. And um, we chose Esther, which yeah. I thought would be so fun for her because, you know, it's this great narrative about this girl who becomes queen and there's a beauty contest and, and all that. And so, and she loved it. Like she ate it up. However, yeah. I will say I had sort of forgotten that there are some racy things in <laughs> Esther uh, and yes. there are some terrible things um, that kind of happen in the backstory of Esther uh, that honestly were not the Sunday school details <laughs> that were ever shared. Um, it's been a while since I had revisited the book. But anyway, all that to say, um, I was really taken by uh, the storyline of Queen Vashti as we kind of re-listened. And I had actually some incredible conversations with Ava that I could not have planned um, if I would have tried. But the thing that I thought for this defining moment series um, that was so interesting about Vashti and then also Esther is that, um, and I'll set this up for you here in a second, but there was a very clear defining moment in Vashti's life. And um, it was extremely clear and it forever altered her life. Yeah. But what's interesting is that because of her defining moment, God was, I don't want to say able, but God orchestrated then a defining moment for Esther that would also ripple down to his people mm-hmm. um, and to saving his people. And, mm-hmm. and of course, we know God, you know, sovereign over all of this. And so he had this all in mind anyway. But um, what was so interesting is as I was revisiting the story of, of uh, Esther and just in the first chapter here talking about, you know, the scene that's set here with King Xerxes and, and he's got this kind of wild party that goes on for yeah. like 180 days of just, it's basically debauchery <laughs> on display. Just good way to describe it. I mean, really it's like yeah. the, the food and the wine are, are flowing and, and they're just partying day and night. And so he kind of comes out of that, and then he decides, you know what, now I'm going to throw a banquet for the men, and, and Queen Vashti's going to throw a banquet for the women, and and then all the while the alcohol is just still flowing like crazy. And so we can deduct that, you know, poor decisions are often made in situations exactly like this. But yeah. in that, um, Xerxes does something to Vashti in that she's with the women, he's with the men, and he basically... Um, tells her through his eunuchs, his servants, like, go tell her that I want her to come and I want her to come in her royal crown and I want the men to see how beautiful she is. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> as I went through that with my daughter, I realized, you know, wow, this there's more to that story right there. Um, likely he wanted her only in her crown. And that, that was a terrible, mm-hmm. terrible ask of her, incredibly degrading. And for whatever reason, we don't know a lot about Vashti, um, but that was a line in the sand for her, that she was not going to do it. And so she refused. And again, we don't, we don't know. We don't have the whole, a, a lot of backstory about her. And, um, and this was you know, a Persian king, so this isn't necessarily like a biblical reason that she was like, no, that doesn't honor God. She probably had nothing to do with God. Um, but she said no. Mm-hmm. And because of that, she was banished. Um, his advisors, you know, got all worked up and, and said like, oh, you can't let her say no to you. And what's that going to do to all the men and the yeah. wives in the kingdom? And 
And so anyway, um, huge defining moment for Vashti. And what's interesting is we have no idea if she regretted it, if she was glad she took a stand. I kind of love that she took a stand. Like it's a really incredible thing that she did. It was super brave. Um, And she was banished though forever. And verse 19 says kind of after this, this goes down, this is um, one of the quote unquote advisors that says to Xerxes, therefore, if it pleases the king, let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, which cannot be repealed, that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. And also let the king give her royal position to someone else who is better than she. Hmm. And I thought, wow, like <laughs> that is an unbelievable statement that gets issued here. Yes. Um, not only does it forever impact Vashti, we don't know from history, we don't know if she was banished to another place, if she was immediately killed, that's a possibility. If she was thrown back to the harem, it's also mm-hmm. a possibility. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was, it wasn't good. Um, and Vashti was no longer queen. But because of that, now the search is on for somebody who is going to replace her. And so, you know, I, we won't go any further than that. But the story of Esther then unfolds and how God puts Esther in the kingdom for such a time as this. And she rises through the ranks, becomes queen, and ends up saving um, her people. And so um, it just struck me. You know, here's Vashti. She's not, um, didn't belong to the Lord as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Um And yet God took what happened to her and he allowed it to cause another defining moment in somebody else. Mm. And it reminded me so much of that night for me in college where somebody else stood on that stage and shared their story really bravely. I mean, in front of a thousand people, I couldn't tell you today who they were Mm. or even the story. But because they were willing to share what God had done, here I sat in the audience, a 19-year-old with kind of some messy thoughts about life and faith. And the Lord took that and stirred the truth that was in me, I think, and um, caused like this huge shift in me and the huge trajectory change in me. And so I just love that. I love that story in scripture. It's Mm. not, our defining moments aren't always what we think they are, (laughs) or um, they're not always like shiny, happy moments in our life either. Sometimes, um, you know, it can be painful, like Vashti's life had probably had a painful ending. Um, and yet God used it. Mm-hmm. And yet she is, she's in the Bible. She is she remembered is. in history. She is brave. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, yeah, I, I love was, it. I think one thing that stands out to me about the whole story of Esther is God's name is never mentioned. Right. In that book. right. Yet he's still moving. Very he's clearly pieces and yep. he's putting things in place, people in place for ultimately the saving of his people. And you think about our own stories, how he, he was moving behind the scenes to put us in position where we would hear a story uh, that would so change our life or hear from a person like an uncle or from a friend or whoever it might be that has so changed our life. Um, it's so cool. God is moving uh, even when he's not mentioned like in the yeah. book of Esther. And I, you know, I think for me, um, Steph, I, as I think about scripture, one thing that stands out is the story of Jacob that's found in Genesis. And um, you think about Jacob, like literally his name means heel snatcher. He's a deceiver. He was sneaky. And, and no doubt he lived up to that name 
um, he was able to sneak his brother Esau out of birthright and then later on with, with the blessing. And his whole life is like this trajectory where he's trying to manipulate, deceive, lie to people to find ultimately this blessing he's looking for but never getting. Mm-hmm. And so like his whole life is just it, it is, is, is a picture of that until he comes to Genesis 32 and what we would call a defining moment in that sense. And he's left all by himself because he's heading back home. Esau hears about it. So Esau's coming with 400 men. He's afraid, as anybody would, knowing what he did to his brother Esau. His brother may still have some revengeful thoughts going on there. And so Esau's left all by himself at this camp. And um, and I'm sorry, Jacob is left all by himself at this camp. And the Lord meets him. The angel of the Lord meets him in the night. And they have this confrontation, literally the Lord initiates this confrontation with Jacob, and so ensues this wrestling match. And during this wrestling match, um, the angel of the Lord reaches out and with the slightest of touches um, dislocates Jacob's hip. And Jacob literally is a broken man as a result. Um, Yet it becomes one of those defining moments because all the places in life that Jacob had been looking for to find that blessing, he finds it finally with God. And God tells him, he's like, what's your name? And he has to say his name, Jacob. He has to identify with what he's been. He has to look himself in the face and go, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm a deceiver. And the angel Lord says, your name shall now be Israel. A defining moment, literally a change in identity. And he goes from being defined by a past of deception to a new life where he has a name of Israel, one who strives with God. And it's so cool because you see a transformation in his life and he goes from being afraid of Esau to willing to confront Esau and he discovers that his brother was so glad to see him and there's this this mutual reconciliation between him and Esau that is just a beautiful picture there in Genesis 33. But I think about Jacob's life in that moment, how definitely it was not the same um, after that encounter with God and that it was for sure a defining moment that altered, obviously, his very identity, mm-hmm. and for sure change the very direction of his life. Mm-hmm. And I think about that defining moment for me there, the BMX track in Denton, uh, I'm sorry, in Fort Worth, Texas, and um, how that was a defining conversation that totally changed my identity and, and, and it would um, absolutely send me on a new course uh, in, in life. And, and so... God is moving, and, and he's, 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 he's coming to us in, in places and, and, and doing things uh, that we never would have expected, um, these divine interruptions. And sometimes he has to wrestle with us <laughs> right? so that he can give us what we've ultimately been looking for, and he can stir in our hearts a passion for him as we realize that life is ultimately not about us, but it's about, it's about him and the good that he brings about in our life so that we can ultimately come to a place of glorifying Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that story, and um, I see it, like, just like you said, kind of displayed in your your testimony. So as we close kind of um, this episode today, 
uh, we wanted to draw our attention back to the single greatest defining moment in history, which is the unfolding of the gospel um, through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, Mm -hmm. Uh, the moment in which salvation through Jesus Christ was made available for all people. Yeah, uh, you know, and I think the gospels, we think about that, is not just a past memory, but it's an ongoing um, living thing in which the gospel is able to change us continually yes. Yes. and remake us. And so presently, God is working in our life. Mm-hmm. And uh, as John Piper said, God is always doing about 10,000 things in any given <laughs> moment. We're maybe, uh, you know, we maybe can recognize one or two of them. Exactly. And so I think the gospel is always an opportunity for us to grow and change to be more like Christ. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we hope that uh, this episode maybe would cause you to think about some of the defining moments in your life um, and your own relationship with the Lord. Um, But I also think for those of you who might be like in a crossroads moment, uh, maybe you're in a mess or you're on the other side of a mess. We've all been there. Um, Is the Lord calling you to a defining moment? I think that's um, worth your consideration. Is there maybe like an act of obedience or a heart change or maybe a turning uh, from sin Mm. that he might be stirring in you even as you listen today? Um, Or like we said earlier, maybe you're a parent or you're a friend or a spouse of someone who desperately needs like that defining moment of change. You know how you just, you agonize over somebody um, because you can see the, the direction they're going and you want so badly for them to go the opposite direction. Hmm. Um, We want you to take heart today in the hope of the gospel and in the power specifically of new birth through Jesus Christ. Um, The gospel offers all of us opportunities for true lasting change by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we hope that you're encouraged today to not give up um, in your own life or maybe on the life of someone else. Um, But remember the gospel and And remember what the state we were in when Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. And remember what we bring to the cross, which is nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And and God still chose to demonstrate his own love for us. That's right. Um, And so uh, we just want you to be encouraged today. Absolutely. And we'd love to be able to pray for you um, today as well. And so as we kind of close out, um, let me pray for our listeners So Jesus, we just are so grateful for the fact that you are a God who is living and active. You're active in this world and you're active in our lives. And what an incredible, um, just absolutely um, amazing thought it is that the God of this universe would care about us. As it says in Psalm 8, how majestic is the Lord our God. Um, that the very stars uh, in the heavens did declare his praise, and yet he considers man. He takes thought of us, and you work in our lives, and you have been working in our lives for ultimately bringing about change that produces Christ-likeness so that we would glorify you here in this world. And so I pray for our listeners. I pray this has uh, been an encouragement for them. I-, I pray that they would come away from today going, wow. I feel like I'm not alone in this journey. If there's other people going through what I've been through, and it can be encouraged by the fact that God has not given up on us, and God is still very much alive 
and well and living and moving through his people. And so, Jesus, thank you for that comfort and that hope that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, babe. Well, we want to say thank you again for listening. Yeah. I think this is going to be a really fun uh, way for us to communicate and you won't hear from just us every time we have got some some great guests lined up and so we're excited about that too but we do, uh, we do want to say thank you and ask you to please join us again for the family huddle podcast and we'll see you then okay. thanks for listening bye-bye and here's the wrap up for today's family huddle thank you so much for spending some of your time with us today we hope that you were super encouraged by not only Travis and Stephanie's personal stories, but also the stories they grab from scripture. Um, I know it helps me to think about things from the Bible, but also look how it plays out in people's lives that I know and see how again and again, God is at work, whether we fully realize it or not, and we can trust him in our own lives, as well as in the lives of our family, our children, a close friend, even when we want to feel discouraged, um, take heart, have hope. Um, the gospel offers us hope in the midst of hard times and hard things. And you just never know. Um, I feel like what Travis and Stephanie talked about today, you never know when a defining moment in your life and in your faith is going to be and how amazing to be able to trust God through the process. So again, um, join us next week as we continue in this series. Make sure that you follow us, like us, leave a review where you're able to. That makes it easier for people to find us and uh, we'll see you soon.